not really hearing much on yields, just that been one extreme or the other. You know, we just got to keep being patient and make sure we're not putting wet corn in the bins because that could lead to disaster down, down the All road. All kinds of different stock rots. Fusarium's probably catching a lot of it. We're, in, we're one wind event away from maybe having some issues. We're getting pretty close to being in the clear. Welcome to the MFA Made for Agriculture podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Jones and Cameron Horine. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Made for Agriculture podcast. My name is Adam Jones. And I'm Cameron Horine. And today we're back with our final in-season podcast update from 2023. Um, We figured we'd go ahead and cut off the bi-weekly ones uh, at this one. We're we're approaching harvest, I'd say, in pretty much all of our uh, regions that we're going to run around and get an update from today. But um, anyway, we'll go ahead and start throwing other off-season episodes in here um, once once we get this one posted and uh, move forward from there. So if you guys have... If anybody has uh, good off-season topics they want us to talk about, uh, feel free to feel free to send those in to us. So, anyway, uh, for those that may be listening in the future, we are recording this on September eighth, um, and uh, so anyway, just just for future reference, if you're listening to this down the road, uh, we'll start down in the boot heel today. So, Jesse, uh, what's going on down there? Not much morning, guys. Uh, morning. We just kind of harvest this. Slow the past week or so. Just something I do want to get some corn done, get it dried, or had August contracts. But like this week was the big week for everybody to get started. Uh, had a little bit of rain Monday and Tuesday, so really guys didn't get started good until late Wednesday yesterday. Uh, it's been a little bit of corn and beans both coming out. Uh, not really hearing much on yields, just that it's been one extreme or the other. They've been pleased or been disappointed. That's what they were doing. Uh, rice harvest is in full swing for the most part in Boot Hill and uh, Northeast Arkansas. And yields aren't as high as normal, but I think the averages are holding a little bit higher than what they thought they'd be this year. So that's very pleasing for as hot and dry and as much water as we pumped all summer. Uh, I know I talked to some guys earlier this week. Uh, with a group from Central Missouri to come down and visit. I think we're going to start cotton foliation here in about a week or two. Uh, so we still got some time left on it. Double crops is about the only thing that we're really walking right now. Uh, but shoot, another week or two, they'll be done also. So really, it's just guys trying to wait as long as they can on their corn to make sure it's reasonably dry before they get started and uh, just going from there. I know we're kind of getting around and getting some ideas kicked around for next year already. I know that seems kind of early, but probably the past few couple of years, been, it's always a good idea to start thinking about the stuff as early as you can, especially while you're sitting in the combine, just there now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff, Jesse. Yeah, I know you guys are always pretty far ahead of everybody else, so um, sounds like it's it's certainly that way again um i'd say that that variability in yield is going to be something that's that's not just down there i think that's going to be pretty much everywhere um we definitely have some good good crop in places and some not so good crop in places so um i hear that jesse i appreciate you being on here this week appreciate you being on here every time i think uh he had another commitment here coming up so if he doesn't make it to the end of the podcast and has to drop off um thanks for all your time this year sir no problem i appreciate it Thanks, Jesse. All right, let's swing over to Shannon. What's going on over there in southwest Missouri, southeast Kansas? Yeah, so 
corn harvest is we're kind of kind of still on the early side of it. Um, harvest technically started a couple weeks ago, uh, but it's been it's been slow this year. Um, there's been some pockets that the corn dried down and guys have been able to run, but there's still a lot of corn that's still still pretty wet. Um, kind of typical when we have a drought year like we did, uh, where plants prematurely die. Um, they don't they don't properly mature, so they don't properly dry down like they should. Moisture's moisture's staying high. It's it's staying 19, 20 percent. Um, we got a little shower last night. Um, that might help it come on out, but you know we just gotta keep being patient and make sure we're not putting wet corn in the bins because that could lead to disaster down down the road. Um, as corn's coming out, we are switching gears already, thinking about next year, especially because in our area we do a lot of wheat wheat behind corn stalks. Um, so if fields need to get limed, we're trying to get in between, get them limed if we need a soil sample. So we do have a little little busy window here for the next probably two to three weeks. Um, just some things to watch out for wheat. I know with some corn coming out early, it, it can be tempting to go out there and throw it out there now. But we want to make sure that we can at least wait till the end of the month. Um, if we if we're grazing it, we're okay to go towards the middle, uh, but we don't want to see that excessive growth uh, going into the winter. We can have higher winter kill, um, also open ourselves up to more disease potential and also insects uh, like aphids. But when it's still warm, uh, we haven't started hitting those colder temperatures yet. Uh, we see we see things in the wheat that we don't want to uh, if we're trying to achieve those high yields next year. Soybeans, um, double crop beans have really went backwards the last couple of weeks um three weeks ago we were getting heavy rains and i was really really uh had positive thoughts on double crop soybeans but it's been hot 115 degrees for two weeks and no rain since uh there's a lot of beans turning a lot of white beans so things aren't looking so great there um i know up in burlington op area they've been bailing beans the last two weeks which is um pretty unfortunate um something we haven't had seen in, in a few years uh, but you know, that's kind of where we're at right now. First crop beans, uh, they're, they still look good. Uh, there's some pods dropping from the drought stress, but the beans made, um, should, should, should be decent. They're not gonna be great, but we're at least going to have a crop to harvest on our full season soybeans. Yeah, good stuff, Shannon. Um, one question, I guess, since, and, you know, Jesse mentioned it too, folks, folks thinking about stuff for next year already. Um, I mean, are you hearing anybody doing anything different as far as a crop rotation or switching up crops as far as next year? I know our our value to uh, to grain is 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 shifting a little bit in places. So I didn't know if that uh, was changing anybody's mind on on winter wheat planting or anything like that. Yeah, so I expect our wheat acres to stay similar to what they were last year. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on how guys manage their nitrogen this year, but if they are still managing like they normally do, we're going to have quite a bit of nitrogen left in the soil. And so we'll want to try to scavenge that. And the best way to do that and still have a cash crop is go with go with wheat. There has been talks, kind of early talks. I don't know if guys will actually go through with it or not, but we may see an uptick in grain sorghum uh, acres next year. It's going to depend on, of course, it's going to depend on the weather. Um, Grain sorghum can handle drought a little bit better. Um, it's a little bit more heat tolerant than corn and lower inputs. Um, so that may be a, a crop that guys look at. Of course, there's things that come with grain sorghum, like uh, the sugarcane aphids, uh, headworm issues, and then also handling issues. So I don't, like I said, I don't know how, 
how much guys are actually going to go through with the plans, but there are some early conversations happening that there may be a little bit of a switch. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I hadn't heard anything myself, really, just kind of looking at looking at markets and looking at input values and just kind of wondering what you're hearing. So appreciate it, Shannon. Yep. Thank you. All right. We'll slide on up to Scott Wilburn. Scott, what's going on in central Missouri? Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, on the corn side, the majority of our corn is uh, it's a black layer. A little bit of uh, harvest has started out in the western part of the uh, the region. Um, they're telling me, you know, out there, most everything is at least below 25%. Um, so we're, we're starting to dry down, dry down a little more rapidly. Um, we've also got some areas out there and I mean, like everybody has mentioned, it's, it's scattered all over. So I'm, I'm painting with broad strokes and there's, there's places that are going to have pretty good crop. And then right beside, you know, it's, it's not going to be like that. So I don't want to, you know, act like we don't know what's out there, but you know, where the crop does look a little better and, and, and has, uh, you know, just started to senesce normally, kind of like Shannon was saying, the issues he's seeing down there, um, we're starting to see dry down happen like it should and, and combines start to roll. Um, on the eastern side of the state, I've, I've not seen any harvest yet, um, but, uh, you know, I think we're going to be right behind them, you know, here pretty quick. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Cautioned on this here a couple of weeks ago, we are seeing quite a few stalk rots. Um, nothing dramatic as far as lodging, but you know, the consultants are are telling me they they are talking to guys about hey, you need to, you might want to look at this field before some of your other stuff. Um, so right now we're standing for the most part, but but we do have issues out there. Um, we've got some uh, just all kinds of different stalk rots. Fusarium's probably catching a lot of it. Um, but there are some, some bacterial rots and some other things showing up. So, you know, we're in, we're one wind, wind event away from maybe having some issues. So just, just be very mindful of, of what's going on. Um, moving to, uh, moving to beans. Um, most of our beans are late R6. Uh, there are some R7 starting to show up. Um, started really changing fast this past week. Um, it, we've got a lot of things that could be, could be triggering that. And in some cases we've got, you know, in our earlier maturities that, you know, they're, they're just starting to change. Uh, but we've also had uh, quite a bit of stress. We've had, uh, um, had some cooler temperatures in the mornings, which, which a lot of times, you know, we always talk about soybeans, um, being, you know, nighttime length of night, you know, driven, but, uh, you know, every year, as soon as it cools off, you see a quick change. So they, they do respond to that as well. And, and I don't know if we're seeing that. We didn't get tremendously cold, but, you know, to go from lows in the high 70s to all of a sudden 51 or whatever it was, a couple of days, that, that seems to move things along. Sudden death uh, continues to progress, but, um, you know, seems to have slowed a little bit in this, in this dry, drier, drier weather. Um, there's also quite a bit of Cercospora out there, as, as we usually see. In some cases, as we're seeing seeing beans that that look like they've they've started to mature, it may actually just be Cercospora showing up. Um, kind of the tell there is if they start dropping leaves and leave the petiole behind. So on the trifoliate, basically the you know the short stem that's gonna gonna hold that uh, that middle leaf. If it drops just the leaf and leaves that petiole behind, that's that's kind of the tell that you're looking at a disease and and maybe Cercospora in particular if it had if it had looked like uh, they were maturing. If they're maturing properly, they should drop the whole thing. 
So uh, we, we see, we've seen that a lot in the last, uh, it's always been a thing, but we've seen it a lot in the last probably seven, eight years. I think just as, as some varieties have been a little more susceptible, still have excellent yields in a lot of these fields, but uh, it can, it can kind of fool you as to what you're actually seeing happen. And, you know, it's something not besides just the senescence of the plant. Um, got a call yesterday, I guess, kind of a watch out. Um, of Dectus uh, stem borer. Um, so this has been on our, our radar, been on my radar for probably about five years. I don't know if they've, Jesse, have y'all dealt with them down there longer than that or? Yeah, we've been dealing with them for a while, Scott. Okay. I think I saw my first field probably about five years ago and it, and it was just a harvest issue. You know, you're, you're looking at beans kind of thinking when you know wondering when you're going to get in with the combine and walking through the field you're just noting, noticing these plants start to fall over and basically the the borers went in and and tunneled through it and then tunneled out a little chamber at the bottom that just you know there's just really nothing holding it up that is my experience with it now the phone call i received yesterday it sounds like they're actually killing the plants uh, they're finding dead plants and then moving into the green plants around they're finding the borers i've not seen this field yet but um talking to jesse he said they they have dealt with that when when they get into them early um these were not it wasn't necessarily early but these were double crops so it'd been a similar situation as to where they hit you know in the life cycle of the plant so watch for this um the and this wasn't the case in this particular field um from the information i was able to glean over the phone and in pictures but a lot of times if you have a, a continuous bean situation um or you have any kind of a host plant, which would be basically anything the sunflower family. So obviously sunflowers, but you know, burrs and and a lot of our other weeds, ragweeds, can host these. So just be mindful of this. If you're seeing patches out in the field, I've I've had a lot of pictures sent to me in the last week, ten days, of just patches that appear to be dying. In a lot of cases, I think it's just thinner soil showing up. You know, as we're back into stress again. Um, you know, in, in some cases there were patterns that appeared to show up, and as, as we kind of investigated, you know, there'd been dirt work done, and you're actually seeing maybe scraper patterns and things like that. But in some of these patches, um, it may you may actually be looking at, at at the stem borers, and knowing about these is huge because I mean they they can start falling over fast. Uh, I've I've seen them before where you could just anywhere you wanted to, you know, just lean over and and scoop up, you know, just an armful. Of, of plants that it fell down so it can be very dramatic um the only uh i feel like i'm kind of jumping around maybe missing some things but the only other thing i guess i was going to kind of bring up uh, kind of echoing what shannon said um we're going to have particularly in in kind of well I, we've got a lot of areas where the corn is going to just be really really tough and in some cases it's already been chopped um so there's gonna be an opportunity to get in early with some wheat i'd, I'd just echo what shannon said I'd, I'd try to keep my powder dry for a little longer um you know i like to remind people that there's more days of summer in september than there are june um we've still got a lot of a lot of warm weather ahead of us um, that can be insects that can be uh you know in some cases it can just be a start tough start for for a small grass crop um you know, hessian fly is something we don't talk about very often and, and very rarely really have issue with. But at least in my part of the world, that's because, you know, we're usually planting wheat behind beans and we're struggling to get it done in October at all, let alone in September. 
So that is still a thing. Um, fly free date, I think the 5th or 6th of October, somewhere around that. I would be mindful of that still. Um, if you are going to go out early for whatever reason, there are treatments that, um, you know, everybody, when I ask people, you know, what kind of treatment, I've got F&I and that, you've got to have a certain level of treatment to actually be effective against against some of these insects. So bumping up to that next level on an early planting to give you some some help with a with the flies or as as Stan had said, the the aphids are huge in a in early fall. If we get lush growth, I mean, if I was an aphid, that's where I'd be. And next thing you know, come uh, spring, we've got disease all over the place. So just be mindful of that as you're as you're getting your wheat. Um, we're gonna have some tough conditions, probably sowing wheat, some some hard conditions in a lot of cases. Be mindful of that. Uh, the last couple of years, we've had a lot of issues with just stand establishment on on getting a drill in the ground. Um, I know, like, again, it's tough conditions, and a lot of times, just because of the nature of what's going on at harvest, you may have a more inexperienced operator um, actually sowing the wheat. Um, just really try to be uh, be proactive with those things, and um, establishment is the is just huge on on getting a good start on the wheat. Um, with that, I think that's all uh, all I had. I was going to mention and just kind of publicly thank Shannon and some of his growers down south. We were able to sneak off middle of the week and run down and, and take some of our folks from central region down to the boot hill. And we visited a, uh, <coughs> visited a cotton farm and a peanut farm and a rice farm. And we're able to talk to the growers down there and um, something that on a practical sense, we will probably never use, but uh, from just uh, seeing the diversity of, of Missouri's uh, crops, uh, is extremely interesting. Um, you know, I've been doing this now for over 25 years with MFA and have never, never been out in those fields and actually talked to growers and everything. So it was, it was a cool thing for me, but I think for our, some of our newer consultants, it was pretty eye-opening as to, uh, as to what Missouri has agriculture-wise. And, um, again, appreciate, uh, I know he's got a lot going on like everybody and appreciate Jesse's time and pulling his growers away from some early harvest and everything to talk to us. So, that's all I got. Excellent. Good stuff, Scott. Appreciate it very much. All right. Let's swing on up to Kevin. What's going on up in North Missouri? Oh, I, well, we're waiting, waiting for things to dry down. Corn, corn's all black layered, all except, you know, for, uh, you know, your possible, any fields that were replanted or um, planted late for any reason, but the majority of everything's black layered. We're just still, uh, oh, probably in the high 20% right now in the moisture. Uh, there's a field here and there that's a little drier. I have seen a two, I saw two combines out um, this week, but, you know, no, no idea what yields are looking like. It looked like they were just kind of poking in the fields, getting started. Uh, beans are, beans are starting to turn in places, um, uh, you know, starting to get that, starting to get that mature color, uh, on the pods, starting to, starting to drop some leaves a little bit here and there. So we're, we're kind of that time of year where we're just uh, kind of keeping an eye out still for some stock rot standability issues in corn. Um, maybe, maybe making recommendations on, uh field priorities to to combine uh due to due to those types of issues um we're seeing um in soybeans we're st still watching out for pod feeding insects we've had uh 
had some reports of some still some high stink bug numbers um a few pod worms coming in uh nothing we've had to pull the trigger on but uh we're something we're mindful of uh scott had mentioned the decty stem borer we we have we have uh ran into a few of those clear, clear up clear up north as well something that uh something that i don't ever recall hearing about up in up in the retail north region um that's that's really that's really about what's been going on just uh, i think everybody's uh I think everybody's excited to get into the field and just, uh, you know, waiting for, waiting for the crops to dry down. And we're just kind of still kind of, kind of keeping an eye on things to, um, for any, you know, any possible, any possible things that, that might happen. But I think we're, we're getting pretty close to being in the clear. Yeah. Gotcha. I guess for you, for you and Scott, both, um, any rotational things, anything that jumps out at you from, um uh, major issues this year uh that uh that we ought to be thinking crop rotation wise uh postseason management wise here um before heading into next year i i'd say the main thing up here with the with the trend of planting soybeans earlier um we that's that's part of it and also with spring conditions we is we saw a lot more sudden death syndrome going on even even on even on fields that were treated with uh whether it be saltro or olivo we we still still saw that disease um i think in in a lot of cases uh in part in, in at least in parts of retail north we do have a lot of a lot of beans on beans i think that that might be something that uh something that changes to kind of break you know to break that cycle um, you know, anytime we can rotate to a non-host crop with any disease, that's going to, that's going to be helpful. But with what we saw with sudden death, I think, uh, I think we might, might see some, see some corn get rotated in those areas a little more than, than what we have in the past. And that would be the main, main thing rotation wise that I can see changing. I guess what I'm, what I'm hearing pretty consistent as I'm talking to, uh, to my folks, and without asking them, they're bringing it up is the the difference they're seeing in things that were treated with fungicide and not um, just really, really showing up, whether it's the how heavy the tar spot has come in, you know, to an area um, or just, you know, now as they're concerned about sustainability and just really seeing a lot of difference in, you know, still having some green in the stalk and in the upper part of the plant and, and um, you know, just that. I think as we're we're seeing some of these other tar spot obviously is the big one but um you know a lot of us have been sold on on fungicides you know corn you know is what i'm talking about but it's fungicides in general for quite a while but as we see some of these uh these issues coming up uh i think we're probably just going to see more um more of a push in that direction um i'll be interested to see i saw some some crop health maps yesterday on from an area that's actually been been hit pretty hard with drought and and a grower that had not used fungicide did some you know some split you know split the field and just was really dramatic i'll be interested to see what that looks like i mean it may all still be below an insurance level but it sure does look like there's going to be a be a difference so trying to still kind of learn some stuff about that but for the most part i think uh i think the jury's in and it's it's something that needs to be part of part of most uh most operations the other one that i failed to mention and shannon may be able to 
shed more light on this than me. Um, just kind of going forward from this year's crop. Um, in 2012, following the drought, we did see a lot of um, wheat. Wheat typically follows beans, you know, in central. Um, but we did see a lot of wheat follow corn. Uh, number one, we were able to get in there and do it earlier. Number two, it was there was a lot of nitrogen. It was a way to scavenge that. Um, what did not happen was accounting for all that nitrogen. And we ended up with a lot of corn or a lot of wheat, sorry, um, flat on the ground in the spring. Um, so I guess, I guess my thinking there is be aware of that situation. Um, you know, my, my thought is still, I'd, depending, I, I would still like to have that 25 pounds in the fall to get things going. But as far as getting really aggressive early in the spring behind one of those situations, I don't know that. I think I'd, again, probably want to keep my powder dry a little bit, and um, maybe we can do some testing to see what we have out there. But uh, if we really load it up and then also have a lot of uptake from what was already there, we could we could end up with a situation. I don't, Shannon, you got anything on that? Yeah, so we, oh, I guess the last three years, we've actually had drought situations in corn down here. And all of, most of our wheat is behind, uh, behind corn stalks up in West Central. You know, there's more behind beans up there, but south, I mean, that's kind of, that's the plan, plan crop rotation. We're talking about crop rotation. Just make it known that wheat behind corn is not technically a crop rotation because you are planting a grass crop behind a grass crop. Um, but when we have, when we have a failed corn crop and we have potential high nitrogen levels, I like to pull, I like to pull samples right before we start planting if we can, get some nitrate samples pulled. And then that kind of changes how we manage uh, in the fall, typically we're going to get enough nitrogen from our DAP um, that we're we're typically not putting anything else out there. But when we start getting closer to that green up application, that's when we want to go out and pull again. Depending on the winters that we have, that nitrogen may still be hanging around. If we have a wet winter, it may we may lose it. But what I like to do is pull, you know, go and pull those deep dry tree samples again uh, right before green up, and then kind of make the plan going from there. Um, like Scott mentioned, you easily can start seeing wheat lodge um if you don't manage your nitrogen properly so how deep do you all pull them uh typically as deep as we can i got a couple deep deep probes um i like to get to at least 18 inches if we can just to see where the nitrogen is at in, in the in the uh full profile um kind of gives us an idea of you know what we're looking at if it's deep when we know we're going to need to put some on the green up to get those roots you know the roots aren't deep enough yet just to get that idea I think Adam calls that an oscillation, not a. Yeah, that's right. Not a rotation. <laughs> <laughs> they do actually run three crops down there, Scott. So I'm not going to be too hard on him. Uh, <laughs> 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 We're the lazy ones up here in North, where we just have two. Um, all right, guys. Well, I appreciate I appreciate all the off-season tips. Uh, appreciate all the in-season tips this year. Uh, thanks for all your time and in putting these together. I, I know some folks have have found them valuable, so uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to do them again in the future. But appreciate all your all's time and appreciate everybody's time listening. So um, thanks, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Made for Agriculture. Email comments and questions to podcast at mfa-inc.com.